Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Is it really true that we need to keep asking God about things in our lives over and over until he grants it? Pastor Todd takes us into the scriptures to reveal the power of prayer and whether it is about repetition or something else. When will God answer? Do we need to be persistent? If he doesn't answer in a time frame that we feel that we need, are we lacking in belief if we keep on praying? If God answers our prayer today, but we don't see it today, does that mean that we have to keep asking? Are we praying in faith or in hope? Are they the same thing? Pastor Todd says that they aren't. Hope often substitutes for faith. Hope says, I hope that it's coming. Faith says, I know it's coming. This is difficult to grasp. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd teaches us about the reality of prayer. Please listen to the end for some important information. Hey, tonight, um, tonight we're going to get into a scripture really based on, um, on a question I got this week in an email. Uh, and, and it was something that God was already confirming with me, so I knew that the email was just one more conversation. But I'm going to tell you in advance, I'm going to rock somebody's world tonight. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I, think, I think for some of us, you're going to struggle a little bit with what I'm talking about tonight, but I need you to hear it all the way through and grab it because I think you'll see that God has something for you in it. I want to talk tonight about being persistent in prayer, pressing in, being persistent in prayer. Now, before you shake your head too many times, let me talk. (laughs) If I were to go to just 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ. So if I were just to take this one simple one-liner kind of verse and say, God wants us to be persistent in our prayer about things, and I think we're taught that. So I want to ask you a few questions. God wants us to pray for something over and over and over and over again. He wants us to ask him until he decides to give attention to our prayers. He wants us to ask until he decides we have finally asked enough and he's going to give us that. He wants us to get to the magic number of requests that finally pull him into doing something. When I say that... John, you're absolutely right. When I say that, sometimes our praying feels that way. But when I look and say, is that biblically sound that God would want you to ask over and over and over until he grants something? Because when I say it that way, it kind of hits in your ribs and says, where's he going with this? Because I'm not sure, because that kind of sets it up in an, in an awkward place. And, and listen, there's a whole lot to talk about when we decide to talk about prayer. So give me some grace. I'll try to put some blankets on this in the end. But my question tonight 
is, is persistent prayer and what God wants us to do is to ask him over and over and over about it until he grants it. It's, it's, it's all of a sudden hitting you kind of edgy. It's hitting you like, well, what are we supposed to do then? Yeah, we're supposed to be persistent, but yeah, you're making it sound like we shouldn't. So what I want to talk about is specifically praying for something. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's whatever. And does scripture support us being persistent in that prayer? And staying with it and continuing to ask, continuing to ask, continuing to ask. And I think we get that concept from two basic scriptures, uh, two basic scriptures that we can look at that we're going to go through tonight. And I want to dissect those scriptures and say all of this teaching we've heard about persistent prayer based on these scriptures. Is that even what those scriptures is saying? T-O-D-D-M at... Reviveusnow.com. <laughs> Luke chapter 11. Open your Bible. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to go through the two most common scriptures that people believe when we read them, it means we're supposed to be persistent in our prayer. And I just want to say, is that what he's teaching in that? Luke 11. I'm going to be in verse 1. So if you got it, say, I got it. And if you don't, say, I'll give you more time. Say, wait. Good, here we go. It happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place that after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So here's the context. These disciples are saying, could you teach us how we should pray? This is what he says. So he says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. For we ourselves also uh, forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, you and I would kind of say that's kind of basically he's teaching the Lord's Prayer, right? We know that thing that we all call the Lord's Prayer. And and, and so he's kind of given them guidance in that direction, including asking for bread. But now look at verse 5. Here's where we start. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight. Now, everybody say midnight. Midnight. Uh, There were two people that didn't. Everybody say midnight. Midnight. Awesome. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, before we go any further so I can set the stage of where I'm going so it's not a surprise when I get there, how many times did he go to his friend? How many times did he ask his friend? What time did he ask his friend? Keep those three things in mind. Because it wasn't about how many times he went. It was about when he went. Now, let me show you. And from the inside, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, if this is a parable about praying to God, is that a God response? Yeah, I have never prayed and God said, no, I've already gone to bed. 
So for me to look at this scripture and say, well, what I'm about to learn here is something about God and how he answers my prayer. And sometimes he says, no, I put the kids to bed, go away. It doesn't make sense. So what we're talking about is is the fact that somebody came at midnight, not the fact that somebody came multiple times. Hear me out. I tell you, even though he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, that's where it happens, right? It's supposed to be persistent. It's supposed to be persistent. His prayer is supposed to be persistent. So we just said right there, he's persistent, right? No, what he said was, this guy is not going to get up and give you bread because he's your friend. He's going to give up and give you bread because you were persistent. Now, let me show you something about that word persistent because it's throwing you off. It's anidia in, in the Greek, anidia. And anidia is only used one time in the entire New Testament. Right here. So all those other times you see the word persistent, it's not this word. This word is different than when they translate it persistent in others. Because this word means shamelessly or boldly. Now think about that. If the word means boldly, what he said was, he won't get up and give it to you because he's a friend, yet because he came boldly, he will get up and give you as much as you need. Do you see what he's saying? It's not that he came many, many times. Listen to me. If you're at home tonight and somebody comes banging at your door that's a friend of yours at midnight and says, I need something, what's your thought? Dude, if you're coming to me at midnight, this must really be important. I'll get up and help you because you're my friend and you're, you're banging on my door at midnight. I'm not doing this just because you're my buddy. I'm doing this because, you, you know, if you came here at 6 o'clock, I'd say, what are you doing, man? Just leave me alone. But you're here at midnight. You came boldly. You came to me at midnight and asked me for something. So now all of a sudden I understand that it's a boldness issue. Now, stay with the context. What he just said was, if you need bread and you go to a friend's house and you say, I need bread. He didn't say go over and over and over. He didn't say not many times. But if you go there at midnight, he's not going to get up because he's your friend. He's going to get up because you came there at midnight. Now read the next verse. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Did he say, so I say to you, keep asking, and eventually he'll give it to you? No, he just said one time. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it'll be opened. How does that compare to the previous story? He was seeking bread. He was knocking on a neighbor's door. He was asking for bread. So he just said, if you go ask for it boldly at midnight, then you're going to get it. Not repetitive asking, but just ask for it. Then he goes on to say, now suppose one of your fathers is at, one of you fathers is asked by his own son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he won't give him a scorpion, will he? If then being evil, if then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here's what my question is when we look at this particular story that's often used in the conversation about stay in there, persevere in prayer, keep asking, keep asking, don't give up, you know, God, press into God, press in. This, this story is not about that. 
This story is about, will you ask boldly? And if you'll ask boldly, the people who ask receive. The people who knock, the door gets open. The people who, um, what was the third one? Uh, seek, find. So here's a story, and I, and I love the, 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 the correlation. I don't know if you made it or not. But it said, when you ask this guy for bread, he's going to get up and give you as much as you need. And then he ends the story by saying, if you ask the Father, will he not give you the Holy Spirit? For those who ask him, I love that because what he's really saying is, how much Holy Spirit do you need? God will give you as much Holy Spirit as you need. you got to boldly ask. Now, you may be thinking, ah, maybe. Let's go to Luke 18. Because Luke 18 is probably even more predominantly used as a, you got to keep asking, you got to keep asking, you got to keep asking. Luke 18. We know this story as the persistent widow. Is that how it's titled in your Bible? The persistent widow. Listen to me. This widow is persistent. The story is about this widow being persistent. But let's find out if it's about us having to constantly ask that prayer thing over and over and over and pressing in. One. Now, he was telling them a parable to show them at the times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. I missed a word. Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, isn't that the setup for persistence? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Stay with it. Stay in there. It just seems like there it is. Okay, that's what he's going to be talking about. He's going to be talking about staying in there. How to pray and not to lose heart when you pray. Now, let's read what he says. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge you got to know this about the judge, what he's about to going to say. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming to me, she's going to wear me out. The widow is going to the judge and wearing him out. Is the judge God? Even though this judge did not fear God nor respect man, is that a description of God? No. So the point isn't going to be, we got to be like this widow going to somebody who doesn't fear God and doesn't respect man. That's not God we're praying to. And it all comes about for you, I promise you. Six, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Boom, there it is. We got to listen to what the unrighteous judge said. And what did the unrighteous judge said? She's continually coming to me. It's going to wear me out. So I'm going to give her what she wants. Six. And the Lord said, hear what the righteous judge said. What did the righteous judge said? She keeps coming. Uh, unrighteous. Hear what the unrighteous judge said. She keeps coming to me and she's wearing me out. So I'm going to give it to her. That's what the unrighteous judge said. She keeps coming to me and it's going to wear me out. So I'm just going to give her what she wants. Seven. What's the first word? 
Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? What's the punctuation? Question mark. Don't miss the question mark. He said, remember what the judge said about the fact that she harassed him over and over and he was an unrighteous judge and she just kept asking him over and over and over. Now, will God not bring about justice for his elect who cried day and night and will he delay over them for a long time? Do you see the contradiction we just set up? Now it's saying, is God going to delay? Is God going to delay while you ask over and over and over? It does say crying day and night and I think he cried, we do cry day and night. But I think what it says is, Will God bring about justice and will he delay over them? In other words, you heard what the unrighteous judge said, but this is a question. Is God going to be that same way? Final part of the verse. Eight. I tell you that he, God, will bring about justice for them what? Quickly. What? Quickly. We heard the unrighteous judge say, she's bothering me, she's bothering me, she's bothering me, I'm finally going to give it to him. Is God going to be that way? I tell you, God will bring about justice quickly. Wait now. How can he bring about justice quickly if I'm asking over and over and over and over and it takes a long time? God has this magic number of 32 days. And so I have to pray for 32 days and he delays until I get to day 32 and I finally ask enough. So now he's going to give me that thing, right? No, that's not what it says. It says the judge may be one who will put up with it for a long time and then finally give her what it wants. But your God, he's going to answer quickly. Do you see that? So all this time we've been using this thing to say we need to be like the persistent widow. We need to press into this unrighteous God until he gives in and gives us what we're asking for. It's not what it says. It says that's what the unrighteous judge would do, but God's not that way. He's going to answer you quickly. I agree. <laughs> Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that that story completely flips it over and says that whole thing about pressing in and over and over and over and bugging him till you get it, that's not God. He doesn't work that way. Will God do that? Will he delay? No, he's going to answer you quickly. Now we got a dilemma. Now we got a dilemma because we're still praying over and over and over. We're still praying for a long time. We're still wanting things for a long time. We're still asking over and over. You know why? Because we're not getting the answer. We're not getting the answer. And so we just keep asking over and over and over. Do any of you got kids? How does that work? You want a pony, you want a pony, you want a pony, you want a pony, you want a pony. You ask me one more time for a pony and you will never see a pony the rest of your life. I think about God always as my father. And so when I'm going to him in prayer, I'm wondering what he's thinking when it's the 52nd time I've asked for the same thing. And you know what the problem is? I'm not seeing the answer, so I just keep asking. And as a parent, I look at my kids and I say, stop asking me. We will go to Disney when I'm ready to go to Disney. But we will go. Wait, we will go. See, because Hebrews 11.6 is without faith, 
it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Mm. Here's what that just said. When I ask God, when I go to God, when I'm seeking something from God, I have to believe he's going to reward it. I have to believe he's going to answer that prayer. Now, that's where we get stuck. That's a hard place to be. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, and it's the conviction of what I haven't seen. In other words, if I ask God for something and God's answer is yes, but I don't see it today, does it mean I don't have it and I need to ask him again? No. I have to believe God at his word and at his promises that when we come to him in Jesus' name, when we come to him in a righteous way, when we come to him and ask for something that should be ours, that we receive that and have faith that that's done. That's where it gets hard. That's where it gets tough. That's where I think we as humans break down because this is what we're actually doing. We're praying and we're hoping God will answer. You hear me? I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest, you and me, about our prayer life. I'm asking God for something, and I'm hoping he's going to do that. And hope and faith are two different things. Hope says, I believe it might come, and that would be great, and I hope it does. Faith says, I know it's coming. I know it. I'm, con- I'm convicted of it. I absolutely know that's going to happen. So what, me- what happens to me now? I have peace that I don't have to keep banging on his door, that I don't have to keep asking him over and over. Uh, watch this in um, 1 Timothy 2. Uh, first of all, then, I urge you that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving made on beha- made, uh, be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior. Now, I don't know if you saw how the sentence structure was, but it says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving. What's a petition? It's a request. It's supposed to be paired with a thanksgiving. I'm already thanking you for the petition and the answer to the petition. It has to come together. I have to go before God with my petition and with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving that he's answering that petition. They, they go together. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says it this way. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Amen. Now, let's get real. You want that Mercedes SL <laughs> and you pray and you ask for it and it's not there. So God's not legit. Because I believed when I got up in the morning, it was going to be in my driveway. That's why I said we're not talking all about prayer. That's why I'm saying prayer is a little more involved than that. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And if I'm in the middle of having an affair on my wife, and I'm asking God to do something miraculous in my life, you can pretty much bet he's going to say not now. (laughs) 
That's not a righteous prayer from a righteous man. And honestly, sometimes, wow. We have this magic bullet we put on the end of prayers. Every single person in this room does this. The magic bullet is, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name is what guarantees that you'll get that prayer answered. You have to think of that like you think about a lawyer. That a lawyer goes into a courtroom in your name. What's he going in there for? He's going in there to represent you. He's saying, what do you want? I will go get it for you. He's in there to be in your name. And so when I go pray and I'm praying in Jesus' name, I'm praying for what Jesus wants, not what I want. I'm here in his name, God. I'm here in Jesus' name that my brother needs to be saved. I'm here in Jesus' name that there's a financial need that needs to be met over here. I'm not here to satisfy my needs and my wants. I'm here to conduct the business of Jesus, and I'm here in his name. There's a lot more to prayer than just, hey, I can ask in his name, or hey, if I ask, I'll receive. I get that. Now, should we be in constant communication with God? Yeah. Yeah. Should we pray without ceasing? Yeah. If you're married, or if you've ever been married, how does it go when you don't talk for a month? Peaceful. (laughs) Great answer. It doesn't go well for your relationship, for sure. I don't know how in the world I could make it through a day without talking to God, without saying, hey, I need some wisdom here. Hey, help me make this decision. Hey, how should I interpret what just happened there? Hey, what do you want me to do? I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to pray in English and I'm going to be talking to God and I'm going to say, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? I'm going to be praying without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for that is God's will for you in Christ. I think this is a fun scripture, and, and, and this kind of sidetracks a little bit, but I want to I make the point. We look at this scripture, and it's the one we always use to say we should pray without ceasing. Yes? Pray without ceasing. It says so right there in 1 Thessalonians. So we tell each other, remember, pray without ceasing. Always have your petitions and prayers before God. Always talk to God. Pray in the Spirit. Uh, like it says in Jude, you know, let's pray all the time. But I don't hear us say rejoice always. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I don't care what's going on at your work. Rejoice always. I don't care what's going on in your finances. Rejoice always. Oh, pray without ceasing. Oh, yeah, I know that. No, rejoice always. Yeah, I can do that sometimes. I, I like the other one too. In everything, give thanks. When you're driving home from being fired. (laughs) Isn't it awesome when God says no? (laughs) Listen, you know, I mean, there's there's great country western songs and everything about unanswered prayer and what like that. You know, this is what I know about prayer. Every single one of us struggle with the fact that we're asking for things and we're not getting them. And we don't know why. And so some people will tell you, press in, keep praying, keep praying, keep asking, because if you bug God enough, he's eventually going to answer that prayer. I don't think God works that way. I'm I'm more the type that says, okay, uh, and you guys have heard me say this before, in Genesis chapter 8, chapter 9, there's a little sonnet, uh, a little verse there. It says, as long as the earth remains, uh, there will be night and day and hot and cold and summer and winter and seed time and harvest. 
that only makes sense logically because when God created this earth, it spins around in a circle and there's a sun here. And so there's always going to be a hot and a cold in the night and the day and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, but the question for you is, before God created that earth and that sun and that moon, what was there to track time? Listen, you and I only know time. We don't know what it means to live in a timeless state. We're sitting on a planet that's spinning around that's measured by days and nights and minutes and hours. You're wondering how many more minutes are we going to be in here? We don't know anything but time, but God created time. So God actually lives outside of something that he created. So God doesn't have time. How does that affect prayer? Here's how it affects prayer. When I ask God for something that's righteous, that is mine, that he has told me I can ask for, that I'm doing in Jesus' name, the answer is always yes and amen. Now, the problem is, since he's not in time, I got to spin around this earth about 72 more times before I catch up to where the yes is. Because God wasn't in time. He just said, yeah, you got it. That Mercedes is going to be there when you're 94. You'll get to drive it two days, and then I'm bringing you home. And, and, and if you want to just play with your mind when you go home, you've heard me say this before. That being the case, that God's always answering the prayer, but he's answering it outside of time. So sometimes I got to catch up in time to where his answer is. How many times have I prayed for something in my past and asked God for it, and I'm actually getting it right now, and I don't even remember I asked for it? Is God giving you revelation? Is God giving you breakthroughs? Is God resolving financial problems? Is God solving relationship problems for you? What if that was because you prayed about it two years ago? God said, yes, I'm going to restore your marriage. She's going to love you like nobody's business. And she is now, and you've forgotten you even asked for it. Now I get in struggle with Thanksgiving. Why do I thank God when I ask? Because I don't want to be the dummy two years later that forgot to say thank you. So I thank him now. Your answers are yes and amen, and you're answering my prayer. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't even know what your answer is. Sometimes you're going to say no, but here's the truth. You've answered my prayer. I don't have to keep banging on your door about it. I don't have to keep asking you over and over. I don't have to carry the burden of keep pressing in and keep asking for it. That's a burden that shouldn't be on you because there's no father who just says, I'm sorry, I'm waiting until you ask me enough. That's not God. He's your father. He's answering. We got to be grateful for those answers. Even when we don't see them right now, they're going to come. That's faith. Listen, if every time I ask, he gave it to me immediately, I would have no need for faith. I got to believe in the things unseen. I got to believe they're out there. I got to know they're coming. Now, does that mean I can't ask him twice? No, come on. Let's don't make a legalistic rule out of it. Here's the gap we got to get over. Are we praying in faith? Are we praying believing what he has said about us asking him? Are we praying knowing that he is answering, that there is a yes and amen, that I don't have to constantly internally struggle with the fact that I can't see it, that I could actually sit back and say, I know you've answered, God. Now, give me a peace that guards my heart and guards my mind until the answer gets here so I don't have to live in stress 
and I don't have to say it. I guess I need to ask you again. Did I forget to say in Jesus' name? Maybe that was it. I think there are people in this room and you've been praying about things for a while. You've been praying about things for a while and I want to remind you of two scriptures. You can go look them up when you get home. One of them is in Mark 9. A father has a son who has a problem. It's most likely some kind of seizure. And he ends up falling in the fires and falling in the waters and not sure about his life sometimes. And the father's crying out and saying, can you heal him? And Jesus says, nothing is impossible. And the father cries out, help my unbelief. Dude, I don't know about you, but that gives me such a sense of I'm okay. That I could ask God, could you please help me believe more? I don't have this in my notes, but I'm going to go there. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. My ability to believe in him was something he gave me. He gave me an ability to believe in him. So if he gave me an ability to believe in him and I'm not putting it to use, I can ask him for more. And you think, can we really ask for more faith? Luke chapter 17, the apostles blows my mind, blows my mind that guys traveling with him for years, seeing the miraculous, getting revelation about what's going on in the world, recognizing him as the Messiah. And this is what they say. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. We're not believing enough. I'm not connected enough. That thing that's unseen, sometimes I'm doubting whether it's there or not. But you're asking me to have faith. You're asking me to believe in it. I need more faith. You know, to me, that says the apostles are doing a little bit of introspection. They're looking at themselves and they're saying, I should be believing in this. I should be believing in this. For some reason, I'm just like not there. I'm not there. So they, they asked Jesus, would you give me more faith so I could just be there? Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We are excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Get It Together. So why is marriage so hard for people? Why do wonderful couples fall in love, believe that they are perfect for each other, and then step into a nightmare? Why are there advertisements on social media and even on highway billboards for good divorce attorneys? And more importantly, why do you struggle to make something work when you believe it should be so easy? Get It Together is an exploration of the design and concept of marriage. It is direct, to the point, and scriptural. God clearly explains his design for marriage. So we just need to learn his design. This book lays out what is actually a very simple fix for most struggling marriages. You will be amazed at how easy it is to begin the journey to an enjoyable, fulfilling, and exciting marriage by learning how to get it together. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give.
If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoy this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice? That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.